Foodie Films is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Hey there, foodies, and welcome back to another episode of Foodie Films. Of course, this is your host, your chef de cinema cuisine, Kyle Reinfried. What's going on? What's happening? How are you? Oh yeah, foodies. You know, we had five weeks of that New Orleans takeover, but Foodie Films is back to being released once a week. I just, uh, you know, I've been doing pretty good, and I've got a lot of people that I want to talk with. So we got another first cut episode for you today, but we definitely have some movie ones for you in the future. So I'm looking forward to talking movies again with some people. Last one we did was, what, uh, Casablanca. And so, but I want to, you know, there's some great food movies out there, as you know. Ratatouille, Chef, Big Night. You know, th- those are some of the more popular food movies. And so I can't wait, you know. Got a lot of golden eggs out there that I am ready to turn into a podcast omelet, let's call it. But uh, anyway, got a great one for you today. Like I said, another first cut. We've got Michael Chernow. This one I recorded before the trip to New Orleans, or maybe it was right after. Point being, just in the release schedule, I recorded it a while ago. So a couple of things. We talked football for quite some time, so I trimmed that at the beginning. So there's a little football talk in the beginning, but hey, that's fun. So there's definitely, you know, I think we're referring to maybe the uh, playoffs, so that puts a little time stamp on it. And also at the time, I was still using some older equipment, uh, and now I've moved on to my nice H6 Zoom with my lav mics. So if this one sounds a little different, that's because it's with uh, the older equipment, but I think it still sounds pretty good. So just wanted to put those things out there. Also, before the episode, I just want to say today I recorded an episode with Chef Claude Lewis. I heard about him from the Midnight Market Ladies, Lisa and Perla, who we had on a long time ago. Got to have them on again. You know, we talked a movie with them. We talked uh, Fried Green Tomatoes. And I just want to have them on because they've been doing some really exciting things with their business. But I heard about Chef Claude from them and finally got to sit down with him. And I ate at his restaurant, Freetown Road Project, right afterwards, or just Freetown Road. I think that's, if you're tagging it, that's what it's on it, or if you're Googling it. Um, And so talked with him, had a meal at his place afterwards, had some oxtail, 
rice and cabbage, and it was absolutely delicious, this ginger drink. So I, I just like plugging these. Uh, I mean, obviously you're going to hear all about it when I release that episode, but just as far as when I eat at a new place, I just like saying those because I want you guys to check them out as soon as possible and grab a dish there, say hi to them. Uh, say, if, say you found out about a, this place, I can't. Uh, that'll just you know make me feel good, make him feel good. Uh, so yeah. Check out Freetown Road Project. It's uh, on Newark Ave in Jersey City. So like I said, we've got Michael Chernow. I found out about him via this GQ video that we talk a little bit on the episode, and it was just him breaking down some famous food scenes. You know, the first one was from Julie and Julia, the first episode we ever did for this podcast. So food, film, perfect. I was like, I gotta have this guy on. So I reached out to him, started looking him up, and I'm like, Oh, founder of Seymour's, co-founder of the Meatball Shop. By the way, this past Monday, if you're listening to this, the day came out, Wednesday 11th. Uh, Monday the 9th was National Meatball Day, so happy National Meatball Day to everyone, and especially Michael, the co-founder of the Meatball Shop. Uh, co-founder of Well Well, he also has a new podcast that was coming out the week we recorded this, so there's a bunch of episodes. I've listened to a few of them. I love them. The podcast is called born or made just a really cool concept you know like nature versus nurture kind of thing and yeah so you guys better be checking that out right after you listen to this episode so without further ado here we go me talking with michael chernow for even like i mean not as a fan not even for the whole organization for daniel jones i want him like eli had tom coughlin i want him to find his tom coughlin Mm -hmm. you know like nothing like uh, I'm a pretty emotional guy. I find myself you know, crying at movies mm-hmm. more and more for some me reason. Me too, me too, for but, sure. Uh, but man, Tom Coughlin, when he when he was saying like his goodbye, his you know his press conference, and then they cut to they're cutting to Eli, and he's getting all teary eyed. He's like, "It's not your fault, son." I'm like, mm, "My God, I just <laughs> I, I, I don't know, like I, totally. I, hope I never hear my dad say that." Like, totally, hundred <laughs> percent. See, it's so interesting for me too because. From I'm I grew up in New York City, Manhattan. Okay. And so what neighborhood? Eighty uh, seventh and between First and Second Ave. Oh, all right, Upper East Side guy. Yeah. And so when I, from like born to thirteen. Yeah. I was a Knicks, Rangers, Giants, Yankee fan. My father was a Mets fan. Ah. And so I was a Mets fan until about eighty seven, eighty eight, when my father told me that my favorite player of all time. Was a drug addict, Daryl Strawberry. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> exactly. I mean, Strawberry charged yeah. the mound. Dad, I said, Dad, why did he charge the mound? Dad looked at me and said, Because he's a drug addict. And I was just like, Even though my dad loved the Mets and Daryl Strawberry, yeah, you know the whole drug era and, and they really won, just they won in '88, right? Or they won in '86. '86, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so I became a Yankee fan, but I was just unstoppable sports fanatic until okay. I was about 13, and then I like found out about like pot and chicks and all the other things Uh and so from like 13 to 23 i completely zoned out of sports then i got back into sports for a little bit and then i launched my first business yeah and then i totally completely was just head down just getting work done yeah and then in 2015 so that was 2010 2015 i had my my first son 
And I said, you know, there's very few things that I'm going to force on this child. Uh-huh. Very few. And I told my wife, like, I'm not going to force sports on him. I'm not going to force – like, I'm not going to, like, make him do or push him to do anything. Yeah, yeah. However – But, like, fandom? Fandom. <laughs> you just – there's just very few things that I feel very passionately about. And, yeah. and 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 honestly, you know, I'm so stoked that he's a huge – Finn is a huge Giants fan. That's he awesome. loves the Giants. And these are tough years to be a Giants fan. Yeah. Yeah, they are. But I mean, he doesn't really get it yet, but, you know, anytime there's a football on screen, he's just like, it's the Giants? Is that the Giants? <laughs> I'm like, no, buddy. No. There's the better football to watch today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll swear. Yeah. yeah, it was a rough season. Rough season, man. And, Although, yeah. go Titans. Yeah, man. I'm, you know, like... Anytime anyone can take the Patriots out, although obviously two Super Bowls ago when the Eagles beat them, that was just mm. that was the roughest Super Bowl ever to watch, man. That was, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't want to be dark or anything like that, but I was hoping for some like, like just like a meteor to just, <laughs> just take them both. Take them both. I always said like Philly, like I mean, they had Rocky signing a Declaration of Independence and cheesesteaks, and that was. <laughs> I'm You're still, happy with still that. to this day, their most You're famous athlete is fictional. So uh, I don't know. Like, that's true. Right? That's true. I don't know. Carson Wentz. I mean, yeah. eh, whatever. But I mean, so yeah, you're really into sports. I mean, you're pretty. You're a fit guy. You're big athletic. I mean, you know, like, uh, well, as before we started recording, yes, how I, uh, you know, like found out about you, and I said that GQ video, which I definitely want to, I mean, you've definitely, uh, there's been multiple articles, but this video where, what was it called? It was the, um, the breakdown. The breakdown. Like, yeah. And, uh, but just from there and Googling you, like you're, you're, you're into fitness. You're in that world. So like, sure. yeah, let's talk about that. Let's talk about, um, just like how that translates into obviously working in food. Like, did you do it? out of necessity did you see yourself like oh boy i'm gonna be in the food industry i gotta start you know like i'm picking that food on the side let me start working out how'd that all transpire you know it's interesting i um so i was an athlete as a kid i I played a lot of sports as a kid um growing up in the city in public school there's no real organized sports right it's not like the suburbs where you have big fields to play on so i grew up playing in the police athletic leagues Roller hockey, street hockey, um, you know, I was part of an after-school program. We would play, you know, baseball at Randall's Island, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I was just I, – I, I, and then eventually I got into ice hockey when I was probably around 9 or 10. Um, and, I, and I was a huge ice hockey player until I was about 14. I loved ice hockey. Um, but, but sports have always been an outlet for me. They've just, for whatever reason, I was drawn to sports. I was an athletic kid. I was sort of naturally athletic. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I, I, I'm working in restaurants. I mean, I've been working in restaurants and the nightlife my, since I'm a child, since I'm like literally 12, 13 years old. When working in nightlife and working in, in the restaurant industry, you know, you're exposed to an enormous amount of uh, – the good and the bad, you know what I mean? It's the good and the bad. And, um, and so I don't, I don't, I wouldn't change the second of it, Yeah. but I really partook in a lot of the bad as I was growing up in the, in the, in the city. I mean, and just the hours alone and obviously hours like stay, yeah. you know, working till four five six o'clock in the morning, sleeping all day. Like it just did not, yeah. it did not lend itself to a healthy lifestyle sure. period. And <clears throat> when I was 23 years old, I had sort of come to come to a place in my life where, you know, 
a boss of mine, my, my actually my last boss before I opened up my first business. You know, he took me aside and he was like, "Mikey, I I love you to death. Yeah. Um, you're killing yourself, man, and I can't watch it. Like, you are wasted." All the time, and it is just it is just unbearable to watch. Like you mm-hmm. just gotta you gotta stop. You I gotta mean, stop. I mean, hell, it's it's known like Mondays are industry night. They have a specific night of the week yeah. in bars and restaurants. So it's like this is for us, and like you know, right? It, and mind you, that's a Monday, right? <laughs> exactly. So yeah. like everyone else has like you know they have the Sunday scaries for Mondays for you guys. It must be like ah, tomorrow night's industry night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's one of those things where like you know, it's just. You work your ass off. You, 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 if you're working in a busy place, you know you're, you get in at four o'clock and you get out at if and if it's a late night place, you get out at five. Yeah. And so I was putting in these really long hours, and I was just I was drinking the whole time, and partying, and uh, and then finally, you know, Frank, my last boss, took me aside and said, "Dude, I just I, you're young. You've got yeah. so much talent, like." I can't watch this. I can't, I can't let you work here anymore because obviously the ability, you know, and, and the beauty of that restaurant was, was that the food was so good. The wine list was so incredible. Mm-hmm. The people that would come there were, you know, all the people that you wanted to come to your restaurant, but the, the there was no real structure. You know what I mean? Yeah. We ran the, 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 the employees ran the show and Frank trusted all of us. However, once he got to a point where it was like, this this looks like it's not going in the right direction. He would mitigate his risk and and and, and have to fire somebody, and and that that was coming my way. And so I I loved this place so much. This yeah. was my I spent five six days a week there. It was my life. I lived upstairs. I loved it more oh, than wow. anything. Oh wow, you're just you're in it. That I was, was in it. Yeah, and I loved everything about it. I loved the food. I loved the, I lo- I just loved everything about it. And so he said, you know, you got to you got to figure it out. And yeah. so I said, please give me another shot. And he said, you got to get sober, man. How old were you at the time? 23. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh... I mean, that's young. That's just, you know, that that's one one year out of... I mean, you went, so you went to the French... Culinary Institute. Culinary Institute. Yeah. What yeah. years was that? So, I, I graduated high school when I was 17, and then I went to... I took a year off, and then I started... I went to, to Hunter College for about a year and a half, decided okay. that I actually... I hated it. It was a waste of my time because I wasn't really interested in liberal arts or <laughs> I was going for theater history as well. I wasn't really interested in that. And so I said, Profitable you know, business theater history. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think and, you made the right choice. Yeah. <laughs> and so I zipped out of there. I moved to LA figuring I would just get my shit together. Uh, I was 19 at the time. Uh, it was 10 times worse for me in LA just because I'm a New York City kid, never drove a car that didn't have a driver's license. Yeah, yeah. Get to LA, you know, get get behind the, the you know, the, the wheel of a car. Don't know that, you know, drinking is not something you're supposed to do. Like it was just a nightmare. So I, I did that for a year. A lot of learning curves. A lot of learning curves. <laughs> yeah. Um and then came back to New York, got the job at Frank at 20. And uh you know, all sorts of things happened. But anyway, once I once it once once the light really turned on for me, I um I said, he's right, and I got to get my shit together. And so I made a deal with Frank where, you know, he said, you got to show up to the restaurant for 30 days straight. Got to be here at 8 o'clock in the morning. You're not going to bartend. You're not going to bar manage. You're not going to do anything where you're making tips. You are going to clean this restaurant with the porters. And you're going to call me at 8 a.m. from the restaurant phone. And if you're a minute late, it's over. Wow. 
And so he pretty much gave me an opportunity to change my life. He's your Tom Coughlin. Yeah, he was my Tom Coughlin for sure. That's 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 it. And uh, and I did. And I I I said this is my time to like really just sort of, sort of you know bring my skill set and bring my assets to another level. Um, and so I did. And uh, when I was you know going through that, I had a lot of energy um, because I I you know given up all the shit that I was doing for a long time mm-hmm. and I didn't know where to place that energy. However, a couple of guys that I knew knew the kind of energy that I had. Cause I was kind of like a, you know, I wasn't a tough guy, but like if I was out and somebody said something to me, you know, I, I was always a good time. I was always a fun dude to hang out with. Sure, but if somebody yeah. said something to me that wasn't awesome or that I didn't like, I was always quick to punch somebody in the mouth. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah. And I didn't. I, and I and I wasn't like that as a kid. But towards the end of my drinking career, yeah, that's who I became. And uh, and so these guys knew that about me. And they said, you know, we got to take you and bring bring you to the to the boxing ring. And I said, okay. Yeah, got to channel it in a positive. Right, in a controlled, yeah, control, yeah, controlled, yeah. positive environment. And so they uh, they brought me into this Muay Thai gym, and that was it. I was introduced to uh, to Muay Thai and to like intense fitness, and uh, they told me exactly what to eat. You know, they said you got to eat chicken breast and broccoli. That's it. That's a, yeah, yeah. Chicken man. breast and broccoli, and train at this gym and work at night. So you come to the gym in the morning, you spend as many as many hours as you possibly can here, and then you go to work. You still, and you still doing Muay Thai? Um, I'm not doing Muay Thai as much. Okay. Uh, I did Muay Thai intensely for 12 years. Now I really am. I'm passionate about weightlifting. I love lifting weights. Yeah. Lifting. I mean, I love the challenge of lifting weights. So I really just I go to the gym every morning, uh, really early because I have a family now. Um, <laughs> and so in order to be able to get the time that I want in the gym, I yeah. gotta go. I gotta get there at 5:30 in the morning. So I get to the gym at 5:30 a.m. I train for about an hour and a half to two hours, depending on what I'm doing. Then I get home by 7:15, 7:30. Have breakfast with the kids. Take my son to school, and then I get going on my day. So you're, I mean, it's what 9:30 in the morning. You're well into your day already. Well into 9:30 my day. in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I woke up, rolled out of bed, <laughs> hey. drove over here from Jersey City. Hey, man, you know. <laughs> It's like for me, you know, you you, you said, you know, you're like deep into this fitness thing. It it is, I believe, uh, you know, I'm just, I have a lot of energy. Like, you know, from that day when I, when I stopped drinking, you know, I realized that like I am this, I am the kind of person that needs to constantly be stimulated and and move. I cannot sit still. And so what fitness has given me, not only has it made me feel great inside and out, um, and I recommend it to anybody who's struggling in any way in life. Like I feel like the key to happiness is actually fitness and nutrition. I believe that. I believe that if you put great things into your body and do great things with your body, you will ultimately feel great. Yeah. I mean, in the end of the day, Hey, like, I mean, we're eating, you know, like, I mean, there's obviously so many delicious dishes out there and there's a lot of guilty pleasure of food or there's, you know, there's just, I mean, not that it's necessarily bad for you, but food is supposed to just be energy. That is mm-hmm. purely what it's supposed to be for us. Sure. So like you could be eating, you could just have like a protein shake every day, but you know, people then, I mean, you wouldn't be having the multiple restaurants that you had right. if everyone was just having protein shakes every day. Yep. I mean, I believe that there is, so I like to, I like to call it the be better balance, right? It's not about, you can't have a burger because that's not 
feel that doesn't feel good when somebody's like you can't have a yeah. you can't you can't you can't eat pizza. You can't have french fries on a Sunday at brunch. Like I'm like f that. If I if I am focusing on being better on a day-to-day basis, if my my daily plan is just to be better, well, on a Sunday afternoon, and I'm sitting down with a couple of friends and there's a bunch of delicious food on the table. Right now, being better for me is having some of those fries. Right now, being better for me is taking, you know, having a burger. Yeah. And on Monday, you better believe that I'm having egg whites and eggs and spinach in the morning. I'm having kale with you know avocado and 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 a piece of fish or chicken for lunch and i'm having some sort of protein veggie and 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 starch for dinner and that's like what i'm doing like yeah. that's my life so i like this called to be better balance 80 percent of the time I'm, I'm eating right and i'm in the gym 20 percent of the time i'm watching football and eating chicken wings so it's like an in the moment cheat day kind of right well like, i just think that you know what if you if you're feeling a certain way and yeah. you know that you you have the ability to stick to a plan yeah man at that moment feel good if that's what you want to do you know it's 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 really training the mind and 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 having the discipline to be able to say no when you know it's 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 for the wrong reason, right? Like Definitely. people eat for the wrong reason all the time, and so you know, I uh, yeah. That's how I do it. <laughs> I mean, that's definitely. It also sounds like it's your you time. Your your busy guy. Like, what's your what's your day to day like? I mean, you're uh, the founder of Seymour's. You're co-founder of the Meatball Shop. Co-founder of Well Well. I mean, what's I mean, what what for, what was the first venture? Me- Meatball Shop. Meatball Shop. Meatball Shop was the first venture. It's. Uh, February 9th, 2010, so we're coming up on 10 years oh, next month. Congratulations. Meatball shop, thank you. Um, you know, and, and, and so interestingly, like, I am not your average restaurateur. Uh, I, what I love to do is my lo- – I love to de- develop concepts, so I, 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 I listen to people. Yeah. Um, I feel like I have an innate sort of ability to really pay attention Uh potentially make decisions before you know like like precursors to trends so like make decisions um on what to do for my next thing sure based on what i'm like digging up before it actually surfaces and so i've been pretty good at that throughout my career so i come up with these ideas i develop a team i'm a real people person that's what i think i do best is, is people yeah and so i develop a concept put a team of people around it have the balls to go out there and raise money and just take the take a leap of faith <laughs> and and bring these brands to life. Yeah. Um I do it for about 4 years of just hardcore every day in the restaurant, you know, 12 hours bouncing around to the restaurants. And then I try after 4 years, I mean this is this is I've done this twice now, so you know, I'm on to my third. This is sort of what I've learned I'm going to do. It's risky and scary, but it's what I do. Yeah. I I build I develop them, I build them and then I try to I try to sell equity so that I can do the next one. Okay. And so I did that with the meatball shop. We built 5 6 restaurants together. Um now there's 7, but you know, on our sixth restaurant, I said to my partner, hey, dude, I'm really excited about another project. You are the man. You can run this thing. You don't need me. You never really did. We work really well together as a team. However, you're much more the sort of logistics financials guy. It is really an execution business and an operations business at this point. Take the reins. I'm going to sell my shares to the partners. Um, 
or not everything, but I'll sell a majority. Sure. And then I'm going to go do my next one. And so I did that with the meatball shop. Then I did, then I took money from that, that, you know, event, uh, raised some more money and, and launched Seymour's. Took that from 2015 to 2019. Uh, in 2019, last year, I did the exact same thing. Said to my partner, hey, man, really excited about another project. You should take this thing to the moon. I'd like to sell the partners as much of my equity as I can, you know, leaving leaving a, a percentage in the pool. But, uh, you know, I really want to create another brand. And sure. so I'm right now I'm in between Seymour's and my next concept, which is called Creatures of Habit. So it's an interesting Ooh, place for me. That's... I feel very restless because I'm like <laughs> I'm not I don't have a restaurant that I'm going to every day sure, right now. Sure, yeah. And so it's all about just like staying on folk, you know, staying focused, staying on the beam, not letting this like sort of unique place for me in my like, you know, I said earlier that I like I stimulate, you know, like I need to be stimulated. I'm I hate sitting still. Yeah. And so every day I don't have a place that I'm going to currently. So it's just like, you know, I'm launching a podcast and I've got a bunch of other cool, fun cool, things man. that I'm working on. Yeah. So, you know, you, you said like, yeah see like a little into the future like as far as trends go so like what was that like with i mean meatball shop and and seymour's like what were you seeing that you went like this is the idea i want to push forward i you know like what people were saying to me when i was working at frank restaurant uh and i was sort of like a you know i was like uh like in the east village i was a guy that people would come see they just knew that I would be at the restaurant and it became like I was like this sort of like East Village guy. Yeah. But like the questions that I would get asked constantly were, what's your favorite pizza spot? What's your favorite sushi spot? Yeah. Where's your favorite burger? And it wasn't like, you know, in, in, in sort of like the mid 90s to late 90s, people were like, what's your favorite tasting menu? You know, like that's when like tasting menus were yeah, like yeah. a thing, you know? Um, or it would be like, what's your, you know, like what's your favorite restaurant? Um, it became more about like your favorite pizza, your favorite sushi, your favorite burger, your favorite ramen. And I, you know, I started hearing that and, and I started hearing that people were much more interested in focused restaurants. Sure. Yeah. Like people wanted these like, focused things um and that was new um and even though it wasn't really like mainstream media at that point that these were like the way people this was like kind of the way people were starting to eat mm -hmm. i had this inkling that like you know i wanted to do a focused thing yeah because this is before things like buzzfeed all these i feel like you know yeah. online and obviously instagram and seeing that people are just taking you know pictures of their food constantly the only thing that was actually there then yeah. was Yelp and TripAdvisor. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. those two things. Um, but, you know, I just, I wanted to do something simple. I wanted to do something, to, you know, I wanted to offer something to a demographic of people that I re related most to, which was like the 20, the late 20s, you know, mid to mid, you know, I'd say 23 to 35. Like that was like the age group that I was like, I, I know I can, I can get these people excited about yeah. something. And uh, at Frank Restaurant, there was a dish called the rigatoni ragu. Rigatoni ragu, um, still probably my favorite pasta dish of all time. Simple rigatoni pasta with meatballs and sausage, the best red sauce you've ever had, ever. <laughs> um, and people would order that bowl of pasta 
religiously. People yeah. would come in four, five, six days a week and have it. Even if people were not ordering it as their main dish, they would have one on the table to share. It's just a true comfort food, right? Comfort food, just just simple, delicious, yeah. just hits the spot. And so for me, late night, um, you know, I, I would order the rigatoni al ragu, sans the rigatoni, and I would just have the, the <laughs> pasta. I would have the meatballs, the sausage, tomato sauce, yeah. and a side of broccoli, side of spinach. And so that... That is the meatball shop. So I was I was eating the meatball shop yeah. for years before the meatball shop even came to fruition. And my business partner at, at the meatball shop, I convinced him to fly to come back from Los Angeles. He was living out in L.A. I, uh, I actually he was living in San Francisco at the time. I had convinced him to come back to New York to open up a restaurant with me. And he was back, and we couldn't figure out what we were going to do. And then one day I said, "Dude, what about meatballs?" You know how I eat the rigatoni ragu without the rigatoni? Like, people love meatballs. Yeah. And, uh, and that just was the, it. Yeah, just the simplicity of simplicity. it. And, like, and the versatility, right? Like, you yeah. can make a meatball out of anything. True, yeah. So it was like we had so many options. We could really offer chicken, beef, pork, fish, vegetarian, like whatever we wanted to do in a very, very, like, easy formula. Deconstructed. Kind of, yeah. yep. And also, we had, you know, any dish – you want it, you'd ever, you ever love, we can make a meatball out of, yeah. like, any dish. You know, we have s- probably 65, 70 different meatball recipes at this point. Wow. Know. And you guys, I mean, you got a, a book from it too, right? Yep. You, d- you did a cookbook? We wrote a cookbook uh, about six, seven years ago, and uh, yeah, man. That's, I had Kristen Tomlin on of Dough, mm-hmm. and that's like, I said to her, like, you know, cause she had this aha moment when she was on, I think just, I don't know if it was a bachelorette party or just a girl's trip in Philly. And they went into a place and, you know, that was supposed to be for cookies, but they also were selling the cookie dough and they were just like eating in the car together. And she was like, I should create, you know, like a safe, healthy, you know, like option. So she now has, you know, that you can eat, you know, this cookie dough and it's extremely popular. They got it. She's killing it. She's awesome. Such a sweetheart too. I love her. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's kind of, that just reminds me, you know, meatball shop, you just, something that's always been in our life. I mean, you know, cookie dough, like obviously you just, or cake batter, you just always think growing up and, you know, taking a spoon or, you know, like whatever, you know, the whisk and licking it. And then, you know, meatballs, I mean, what's, what's, what's your, what's your background as far as like, I'm Irish, German, Italian. I'm Italian, Russian, and Hungarian. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean you got the you got the Italian in there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm but sure. I but I'm really you know the the meatball thing for me, you know I'm I'm fourth generation New York City. Yeah. And so when I think of meatballs, you know obviously the average person just thinks immediately Italy, right? Because yeah. it's not you know spaghetti meatballs. For me though, being a New York City kid or kid and not a kid anymore, but New York City guy. Meatballs are really a staple of New York, you know, like every single pizzeria, every single deli in your neighborhood had meatballs. They yeah. just did, you know, meatball, meatball parm, meatball oh, yeah. hero. It's just like every, I grew up eating that. Um, and so, you know, I feel like it's a real New York thing uh, and I'm a real New York thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's that? been like i mean so fourth generation new yorker growing up in the upper east side then you said you were like kind of like known as like a 
what, what was it East Village or Lower East Side that you were saying that you were that working whole in? That whole neighborhood. Yeah. So always like an East Side guy. Kind yeah, of, kind I mean, of, I actually, guy. funny enough, I've always been an East Side guy. I moved. Yeah. I, I I I moved downtown when I was fifteen. Okay. Um, and you know, I think I just for whatever reason I've. You know the the the, the city has been it, it, it's 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 my soul, man. Yeah. You know, and uh, I uh, you know I feel bl- I feel blessed to be to have been exposed to to a city as 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 great as New York. From mm-hmm. My you know yeah. from from birth. Uh, you know I feel like it's it's really sort of the epicenter of almost of almost any innovation um, that actually makes a splash. Yeah. Um, really, sort of New York. Is the place where where most things are are born, um, uh, in in their infancy, and also, you know, as they as they grow, um, it's definitely not like the technology hub of the of the globe. No, but but things things are cultural cultural things yeah. are things are really born here. Um, today. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I you know, I grew up in the quintessential suburbs of New Jersey. Mm. If you if you hit every green, traffic light green, you're at the GWB in 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, the first day I got my license, I looked at my friends and said, okay, who's coming into the city with me? And that's also, you know, like then I, when I started, you know, traveling abroad and, or just or not even abroad, but just like outside of the tri-state area, you know, I mean, I feel like everyone does this for their city, but this is the city. Mm-hmm. And then it's I also city. go to other cities, and I'm like, that's not a city. <laughs> but like, I mean, it's a pretty unfair measurement. But I mean, even right now, you, you, I mean, you're living in Brooklyn. We're in Williamsburg. I mean, I think I read like, if they were their own separate cities, Brooklyn would still be, I think, it, whether it would be the second largest or the third largest mm. in, in its, you know, in its own right. I mean, it's just. I mean, it's huge. Well, people just... will ask me where I'm from. I could be anywhere on the planet. People will be at, like, where are you from? And, and like, my instinct is, oh, I'm from the city. <laughs> yeah, and, exactly. And, yeah. And, and, you know, like, yeah. I, I like I assume everybody understands what that yeah. means. Yeah. In most places, believe it or not, they do. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it helps, like, you know, they're here. I know that they have, like, an accent, but mm. you have an American accent at least. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. Just hearing that, I think, and people. I mean, what has been your overall? I mean, people seem to be excited when I tell them that I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, you know, I usually say I'm like, oh yeah, I'm right by New York City. Like, mm-hmm. I don't even bother saying New Jersey, also because most of the time people are like, oh, Jersey Shore. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not, <laughs> that's not, you know, that or yeah. you know, yeah. I even, I mean, I'm, I'm binge watching for the first time. I never watched it from start to finish. I'm binge watching Sopranos right now. Oh, cool. And I'm just like, I mean, that was a hell of a, that was a hell. You of know, a show. So I've wanted to do that for so long, and I, I got, I got it. There's two shows that I actually have not, I cannot say I've watched from the beginning to the end: Sopranos and uh-huh. The Wire. And those two, both excellent. Yeah. Excellent show. HBO, man. They just yeah, they, know they just it. have bangers. They know it's what just like doing. nonstop. I think my favorite show of all time though is uh Treme, another HBO show. And that's Treme. Yeah. Fantastic show. And wow. you would be I think you'd be into it because one of the main characters is a chef. It's just a great show. It takes place the fir- there's four seasons. They even it ended during like right when um Game of Thrones was starting because, you know, they're just like, we don't have, we need to put funds towards yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Even Boardwalk Empire ended because they needed to put money towards mm-hmm. Game of Thrones because that was a whole period piece. But 
HBO, I mean, you know, they just cancel stuff after one season, two seasons. They, I think they just had so much respect for this show. After the third season, they knew they couldn't, they weren't going to give them a whole fourth season. Mm. But they said to him, how many episodes will it take for you to complete your story? And so the showrunners were like, five, we need five episodes. And they gave him five episodes. So it's a short fourth season. But it, every season is, uh, well, the first season takes place like three months after um, Katrina. And, I gotta check this out. And then every season is kind of like a year after. Treme, T R I. Treme, T R E M E. It's okay. a it's a neighborhood, a very uh, African American populated neighborhood in New Orleans. Big, big. I mean, like, just that's where like all the musicians live, and just you know like. All the, I mean, all the old names from, uh, you know, like Louis Armstrong. They, you know, they they grew up there, and cool. it's just, yeah. I mean, New Orleans is my favorite uh, food city. So yeah, New Orleans. I mean, it's hard to it's hard to not have a great meal in New Orleans if yeah. you have any idea what you're doing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, what 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 kind of I mean, I mean you, so you've always been a New Yorker. What kind of changes have you seen? Just not, not, I mean, not even in the food scene, but I mean, are you are you vis- going back up to the Upper East Side? Because that's always been like a neighborhood that people are like, oh, there's nothing up there. But like, I don't know, I've, I've found some good spots up there that's like, you know. You know, it's funny. I, I actually, I probably hadn't been up there. And uh, my mother lived in a rent-stabilized apartment uh uh, just off of 87th Street and 2nd Avenue for 34 years. And uh, and she she got remarried about 12 years ago, and they moved to Jersey. They moved to Manalapin, New Jersey. Oh, okay. And, and funny enough, you know, I said I'm fourth-generation New York City. Like, my mother's never lived outside of uh, New York City in her life. She's always lived in an apartment. She moved to Manalapin when she was, like, 60, yeah. 62 maybe. And she, she's never driven a car in her life. So she had no idea what to do. I mean, she was in the middle of nowhere. I mean, Manalapin's kind of like in the middle of nowhere, uh-huh. right? Like yeah, there's yeah. not much to do down there if you don't drive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. you got to. Yeah. And so she, she, she didn't know what to, She was miserable. They did that for like four years. But anyway, I, I hadn't been up there in years. I probably hadn't been up there, I don't know, at least 10 12 years. Wow. Just because I had no reason to go up there. Outside of, I, we opened up a meatball shop on 76th Street. Um, so I would go up there for that, but I would literally take the train to 77th and Lex and just walk straight to the restaurant. Or I'd ride my motorcycle up there. But I'd never like walked around the Upper East Side. About a month ago, I had a meeting up there and I said, you know what? I'm going to take a trip down memory lane. Sure. So I got, I went up there about three hours earlier and I walked down all the streets and you know it was so interesting it was so it was it was cool it was a good feeling uh walking into the parks that i used to play hockey in and you know it was cool but um you know the food up there um when i was a kid growing up actually there was some great food up there there was one of my favorite slices of pizza unfortunately it's not there anymore but there was a ray barry's pizza on the corner of 77th and 3rd avenue probably one of the best slices of pizza i've ever had um it was there for years it was like a very it was a very cheesy very saucy slice of pizza i mean it was delicious the the (laughs) sauce was like sweet i could taste it right now um you know, there was, uh, I mean, H&H Bagels. Uh, I'm not sure if they're still there, but uh, it was on 2nd Avenue between 80th and 81st Street. Yeah. Famous 
delicious bagel spot. This, this, is, whole, this is the Seinfeld episode. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so H&H bagels, um, you know, chirp and chicken. Uh, you know, they're just a, just like a family run chicken spot. They were a multi-unit chicken restaurant before, you know, there was multi-unit. So I grew up eating chirp, chirp and chicken. Um, yeah, there's some, there was some good food up there as a kid. I remember. And of course the diners, you know, Vion Diner on 86 June Second Avenue. I mean, it's just like, yeah, classic, you know, tuna yeah. melts and shit like that. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, as far as, I mean, the food scene, we've definitely, you know, like, I mean, you've even said, like, the, the staples that are out there, and you're saying bagels, and you're saying pizza, I mean, that's, do you think that is, like, New York's food identity, or has it become, at this point, like, there's just, you know, it's a melting pot, like, what do you see as, like, New York's food scene, right, or, like, New York's food staples right now, are they still, in your mind, like, pizza bagels and like that kind of stuff or? i think when people come to new york to visit yeah that's what they want they want the street meat they want the yeah like i think when people come to new york city and they're 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 tourists like if they had to list the top five things to eat yeah the majority of them are going to say i want to eat new york's new york pizza yeah i want to i want a hamburger i want like the best burger I want a bagel with locks and, um, you know, and then, and then I want to go to the best restaurants. So like, I think that I feel like that's sort of the, that's what New York is. New York is like this place where like, I believe it is, uh, probably houses the best global food on the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would argue to say that food from every cuisine and region is available in New York and probably some great chef is doing an interpretation of it. Yeah. And it's probably better than outside of the actual region it comes from anywhere else on the planet. Um, and so I think New York is sort of showcases the best of most things. And then, and then of course, you know, what we're known for, which is like pizza, bagels, great burgers, um, you know, stuff like that. You got any new favorite spots? Uh, any new favorite spots? Well, I mean, there's it's it's not that new, but there is uh, an incredible Italian restaurant that opened up in this neighborhood called Lilia. Um, it's it's it opened up a few years ago. It just kills it. It's so delicious. The food is incredible. Um, you know, uh, with kids, it's been it's not easy to to go out and eat. So we 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 have like our go tos. Um, <laughs> You know, and I'm also a creature of habit, man. You know, like I, I say in the restaurant game, most people that go out to eat have a five restaurant cluster, meaning that there are five restaurants that they just consistently go back to. Yeah. And it's very, very difficult to penetrate that five restaurant cluster. It's tough, man. My job as an entrepreneur in the restaurant industry to get to become one of the five is my job. My yeah. job is to become one of your five. And to do that, it takes an enormous amount of quality and work. Yeah. I mean, fucking hard. I mean, what, like, what are you doing to, is that like also like a lot in marketing department? Obviously, obviously first, you know, it's creating a quality product, but I mean, there's probably, there's probably so many places that have amazing food, but you know, people just don't know. You got it. You got it. So, so it, it's, it's certainly marketing, yeah. you know, like your reputation is everything in, in, in this game. Yeah. And so if I open up a restaurant 
I really under, I understand how to get people in the door. That's probably the hardest thing to do is to get people to come. If I can get them to come once, yeah. then the second hardest thing to do, forgetting about opening the restaurant and raising the money and creating the great, great food, and the second hardest thing to do in the restaurant business is to get them to come back Sure. after their first visit. If they come back after their first visit, you've got one claw in Mm -hmm. because if they come back after their first visit and somebody knows that they're there for their second time you have a real opportunity to develop an amazing relationship that could last a lifetime and so i say to to the teams you know every single guest that walks through the door in our restaurants is an opportunity to develop an amazing relationship and if you don't take the opportunity 24,000 other restaurants in New York will try. So every time somebody walks in the door, <laughs> it's a crazy. staggering number. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every time somebody walks in the door, it's our opportunity yeah. to develop an amazing relationship. And like when I say develop an amazing relationship, I don't mean just like smile and say hi. I mean like actually, like you're on a date with somebody and yeah. you're trying to develop you're an amazing them. relationship. You, gotta. you know what I mean? And so like if it's not about treating them like gold. It's about like they should walk out feeling like diamonds and like and the only way to get there, the only way to get there is if your staff is stoked to be in the position that they're in. They feel supported. They feel loved. They feel like they're part of a winning team. Um, You know, they know it's high fives and hugs like all day. And if they don't feel that way, even though it's hard work, I mean, restaurant business is tough work, specifically in the kitchen. But like if they don't feel that way. There's no shot. You got no chance. What are you doing to motivate the troops? I'm I'm in there. I am there. I am there. Eli Manning, you know, yeah. in 2012. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man. Yeah. I'm there. I'm the I'm the guy that's just like in the I'm in the weeds when I'm in the and I don't you know I'm like I was a technician in restaurants for so long. I was a busboy and a barback and a bartender and a waiter and a and a host and a manager and a, I did everything for years until yeah. I opened up my first place. So when I'm in the restaurant. I am a worker amongst workers. I am not standing in the corner like directing people and, and you know walking into an area and being like, what the fuck? I just don't do that. Yeah. They know that like if I'm there, I'm busting tables, period. Wow. Like I'm just yeah. – that's you're what just, I do. Yeah, you're in it. Yeah. And I've opened up seven, 16 restaurants in my career. And, uh, you know, I, 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 people ask me like what do you think it is? And I say, well, I, I kind of know what it is. It's not about, you know, the P&L, because if it's about the P&L, nobody's actually going to care. Mm-hmm. The guest that walks through the door of your restaurant, and when I say the P&L, I mean the profit and loss statement. I mean the financials of the business, the back end of the business that nobody actually sees outside of the CFO, the CEO, the, you know, the people that are sitting around the table in the office. The guest that walks through the door doesn't think for a blip about your P&L, about how much money you're making or how much money you're spending on this staff person or they don't, that doesn't ever cross their mind. So if you're making decisions, large scale decisions to run your business based on what a piece of paper says, you're totaled, you're finished. You've got to pay close attention to it, but you cannot make decisions based on it. Um, Large scale decisions based on it. I would rather go down you know, with a staff of people that 
fucking love their job with guests that love the environment, that love the food, then then go down a slow, miserable death of like running on bare bones, just making ends meet, getting through the winter and just scaving through. Yeah. <laughs> like I just, you know, that's the way I see it. Every The, the staff, the team has got to be stoked and fired up. You know, it's like trying to – it's like it's like the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, that team is just they, – they were miserable. And it was all yeah, over yeah, the yeah, news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. nobody was happy. Nobody <laughs> nobody was happy at all, you know? And it was just like they weren't winning any games. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It was just like – it was just toxic, debaucherous misery. Yeah. Nobody wanted to be a part of that shit. I mean, it's, you, you, like you said, you've opened up what, six, 16 places now. What, I mean, what, at what point are, do you go, I guess, from a business perspective, like, I guess with the P&L, like, let's expand. Like, what, 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 at what moment do you go, this is, is, do you ever feel safety or is it always, I mean, a risk? I mean, obviously it is, but like, what, yeah, at what point from a business perspective do you, you know? Go- so for me, you know, the interesting piece, and I think that this is what makes me an entrepreneur, um, is that I don't walk around with fear of not making it. No. It just doesn't, that doesn't, for me, that doesn't, that's not like a, an emotion that I'm in tune with, you know? And I think I'm, an, I'm a very emotional dude, mm-hmm. um, but like the fear component, I'm just not, it doesn't affect me in that way. Like I'm, I'm, I'm ready, willing, and able to constantly take risks because I believe in my soul and my heart that I'm going to be able to win through kindness, positivity, optimism, and experience. And like, I know that, you know, like even with my, my four-year-old kid, like my wife, you know, she'll kill me if she hears this, but like, she's like, <laughs> she, she, you know, we're very different the way we think about the parenting thing. Like with my son, if he has a temper tantrum, I like take him aside and I'm like, bud, you don't have to do this. Yeah. Like you can't, you can do this and you're doing it, but you don't have to do this. Like we can talk about this. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's think about what you're doing so that it's, you know, when it happens again, cause it will, like we can always say, Hey, remember that conversation we had? Sure. You know, like I get through life that way. I, if there's some shit going down in the business that I'm not stoked about, like I literally stop everything and like have a conversation. And I'm like, remember why we're here. Yeah. This is awesome. Like you're having a temper tantrum right now. Just know that your life is great, dude. Like you can fucking flip out and you're going to do it again. And I'm going to take you aside and I'm not going to scream and yell and make you feel uncomfortable and scared and weird. I'm going to be like, dude, let's talk about it. Yeah. And I treat business the same way. You know, it's like, when the shit's going down, like I'm lucky that I didn't own a restaurant, um, you know, during 9-11, right? Like that, that must have been – I can only imagine. I, I worked in restaurants in 9-11. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did own restaurants through Sandy, which was, a, which was an interesting experience. Yeah. But, you know, like I can only see through, through catastrophe, like massive like catastrophe. Do I see myself failing in the restaurant business? I'm going to not win all the time, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Well, like you had this one quote, fail often, fail fast, learn from your mistakes. That's it. I, like, just even the, I think the, the biggest, you know, fail often one thing, but fail fast. Like that really, that stuck with me. It's just like, what, what is, I mean, what does that exactly like mean to you? Does that mean like if you see yourself failing, like get through it? Or For me, it's like, you know, it, it, it's sort of like don't be afraid to make 
decisions. Okay. Right. And so like, as, as like, again, like as a leader, as an entrepreneur for me, you know, I've got to make decisions. Yeah. I've just got to make decisions. It's good. Like, and they have to happen fast. And so if you're, if you constantly overanalyze and dig and, and do all the, the analytics before you make a decision, sometimes that, and I'm not saying that there's anything necessarily wrong with that style, but like sometimes that just slows you down way too much. And the others that are fighting for fighting against you are just going to blow right by it. And I'm not saying pay attention to the competition too much, but I am, I'm saying like, if you believe in something, fucking do it. And if it doesn't work, great. Now you've learned, (laughs) you know, like life is long, man. People say life is short. Like I don't, I don't agree. Like life is fucking long, yeah. right? And at the end of the day, we're all going to meet our maker. Yeah. You know, and I believe that not it's not, it's not about like you know, doing the best you can do for someone. It's about fucking you're here. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you're here, go for it. Do it. Make a decision, and if you fail, fucking speed it up. Get there fast. If yeah. you know it's going to go, well, then great. Don't be afraid. Don't hold on to the very last second. Be like, oh, you know what? This isn't working. Pull the plug. Done. Move Learn. On to, yeah, move, move on, on to the next thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, there, but there's a lot of a lot of egos out there. A lot of, I mean, I, what you are saying before, just as far as them people, like you saying to them, even from – to your son, to staff or whatever, just, you know, like, all right, let's like think about it right now. I mean, I, I worked in reality TV for a while and just dealing with people that were, you know, nobodies in the sense of the, in the entertainment industry host or, you know, talent. I did air quotes right then for talent. Uh, and, and, you know, and I worked on a lot of pilots. I mean, that's just how it works in reality TV. They'll even shoot a whole season, but at the same time, a production company is shooting five other shows. And if one of them lands, it pays for those tenfold because it's not expensive to make a reality show. But I I mean, I worked on some shows where just people right away just felt so entitled and just got this ego. And I mean, I did burn a few bridges sometimes because I was just like, like one time I just remember not yelling, but just being like, you get to be on TV. Like in the grand concept of things, I'm like, TV has only been in, you know, our world for like 50, 60 years and you get to be on it. That's cool. That's a cool thing. And you're like, and you know, also like in, in, you know, film industry, like lunches, because it's just a lot easier to get everyone lunch and have it to show up at a certain time versus people bringing their lunch or going out to eat you know there's a meal provided for you but then people have a problem with the meal it's like well you know what if you also know that you're going to be like that then br- bring your own bring your own meal sure and there was just but it's like oh I, but i want sushi today okay then we'll go you know if you felt like sushi but like you know, just the but then also expecting someone else to do that for you mm-hmm. just the entitlement and then just the egos that come from it yeah. i mean a lot of a lot of type a personalities and <laughs> tell me about it i know all about it yeah I did two 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 reality shows and not easy, man. Not easy. As I hinted at earlier, I mean, I found. I mean, I knew about the meatball shop. I knew, uh, and when I've been there several times, um, and I, I know about Seymour's. I haven't been yet, but I learned about you about y- your name just because. I mean, you know, you, I mean, you know how social media works now. Like, I'm just always sure looking at food and film stuff, and it was the perfect video. It was the 
GQ's The Breakdown series, and I did. I really enjoyed that, man. It seemed like you were kind of you were having fun with that. What was I that? had a blast. Yeah, it was so much fun. Um, yeah. you know, it's like breaking it, down some classic food films and just like some food scenes, and bringing your expertise into. I mean, just the. I, it, I, you made me laugh really hard when you're just like, yeah, probably none of you know how to boil an egg, <laughs> or it's it's or so, soft boil and the. Yeah, I mean, you know, people are like, "Oh, egg," you know, and I'm like, well, "No, it's actually, it's actually not very easy. It's, yeah. it's actually really hard." Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was fun. I, I, I was, I was stoked that they asked me to do it, and um, it's got a lot of views on YouTube. I couldn't believe how many views it got. Yeah, it's no, like, it's, it's like 1.6 million views or something. Right wow, now. that that many? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. That's, that, yeah, no, that's I mean, and that's got to be great uh, publicity too. I feel like, right? Sure, you know? absolutely. Like yeah. Anything yeah, I do with those guys, GQ Esquire, like those those publications are they're it's like perfect. Yeah. It's like a, I'm 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 super humbled and grateful that they would look to me to yeah. be on those platforms and. Uh, yeah, they they approached you. They, yeah. Like, yeah. What, yeah. Do you know like what the like draw was like was it what i mean in the sense you know of... i've done a bunch of stuff with gq over the years okay. and i think that they sort of just look to look at me as like uh i'm on the younger side of the restaurant tour yeah you know thing so they kind of look at me as a sort of like youngish restaurant tour style dude you know yeah, yeah. Uh, chefy kind of guy you ran the marathon ran the marathon oh, what was that, what was that like was that, your, uh, was that so, your first marathon? No, I ran the I ran the marathon uh, in 2008, actually in the Hamptons. The Hamptons has a marathon, okay. um, and um, and it's an easier course than New York. So I was running with this run club in the city called Bridge Runners, and they were like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna all run the Hamptons marathon because we can all get." Uh, bibs as a team we could not get into the new york city marathon it's kind of funny right like new york city marathon very difficult to get a bib in the new york city marathon if you're actually from new york really oh yeah oh, okay yeah it, I don't know. they there's, want i mean there's a lot of politics to it, or? well they just want people to they want people from all over the world so okay. like they give op- opportunity to, to to people from other places before they actually give <laughs> new, york, yeah. new york city people however if you run with a charity which is what i did in in uh in 20 Seventeen, uh, no, excuse me, twenty eighteen. With City Harvest. City Harvest. Yeah. So I mean, I recently had Dan Churchill on. So. Oh, cool. Yeah. Dan's a good buddy. Yeah. Um, I I I've been working with City Harvest for a while, and in two thousand eighteen, they asked me if I would be the team captain of the of the of the uh, marathon oh, team. Oh wow. And I said, hell yeah, that's awesome. And yeah. so, um, running the New York City Marathon is probably, I would say, top five days in my life. Wow. Um, yeah. What was uh, what was your, what was your time? Uh, three thirty. Uh, no, three four. My first marathon was three thirty six. This is three forty two. Okay. Yeah. Um, it was uh, yeah. It was just like a unbelievable experience. I mean, coming over the fifty ninth Street Bridge into Manhattan from Long Island City, just like uh, unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember what you what you had to eat afterwards? Um, I went to Little Frankie's in the East Village and, uh, yeah, pizza and pasta and, you know, <laughs> just carb up. We just went, just went hard. It was awesome. Yeah. That was, that must've been a yeah. pretty, oh. pretty just like celebratory meal. Yeah, exactly. Just like what a moment. And then you're just like, let me just have it all. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I was like, just give me one of everything. Yeah. Well, um, Obviously, you have knowledge in film from that, you know, from from the breakdown. But I, I asked you some of your 
favorite movies. You gave me some good options. Um, I kind of want to talk the a, some a scene by from uh, Stand by Me and a, a scene from Scarface. I feel like those are two. I mean, you also you gave I mean you gave me some great options because I, I as I told you before we started recording, there's episodes that we do food centric movies, but I like doing these scenes for from like non you know, like food movies, because mm-hmm. I think there's just, I mean, it's food, it's everywhere, and we just see it in our pop culture and in our cinema and our films. Are you going to bring up the pie-eating contest and stand by me? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so since you said the Barfo-Rama scene, yeah. I think they call it, I oh, mean, that's just, well, God. let's play that scene right now, and then we'll talk about it. Slowly, a sound started to build in Lardet's stomach. A strange and scary sound, like a log truck coming at you at a hundred miles an hour. Suddenly, Bardess opened his mouth. And before Bill Travis knew it, he was covered with five pies worth of used blueberries. The women in the audience screamed. Boss man Bob Cormier took one look at Bill Travis and barfed on Principal Wiggins. Principal Wiggins barfed on a lumberjack that was sitting next to him. Mayor Grundy barfed on his wife's tits. But when the smell hit the crowd, that's when Lardass' plan really started to work. Girlfriends barfed on boyfriends. Kids barfed on their parents. A fat lady barfed in her purse. The Donnelly twins barfed on each other. And the women's auxiliary barfed all over the benevolent order of antelopes. And Lardass just sat back and enjoyed what he'd created. A complete and total barforama. So I mean, obviously, you had you had a good laugh at at that right then when you were guessing what scene I was gonna bring up from stand by me and I mean what is that what is that scene what does this film mean to you you know i mean i i that film you know it's interesting when people ask you your favorite movies yeah that movie always is the first thing that pops into my mind wow and i, mean, I think yeah. you know it's just a classic it was you know it came out in Probably like the late 80s, early 90s, maybe 91, do you know? I think late 80s because I'm trying to think. I mean, River Phoenix at that point, I think that's like... Or, uh, it was Corey Feldman. Corey, Corey Feldman was super young. Uh, actually, I it. think more like mid-80s because yeah. I'm just trying to think like, you know, he was in Goonies and Goonies was around, Yeah, like, yeah, so... Yeah, so that that movie, um, it just, it, it, it spoke to me at a young age. Um, I mean, it's just one of the best coming-of-age stories. Pretty much, and and I just thought every all the characters were so cool in the movie, and um, you know, funny enough, like me and a couple of friends when we were probably like 13 years old, um, actually went out to the Palisades and like spent three days on the tracks and like camped out and like really? were out on the, oh, the, man, the train that's, tracks. That's cool. Yeah, that, was, um, that must have been an experience. <laughs> yeah, but you know that that movie, I just think I just think the story is just so good and. You know, the being that it's it's a Stephen King, it doesn't feel like a Stephen King. No, film, no, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but uh, you know, just like just everything about it, just is it's just it's just fantastic movie. You know, and then and then the Barfarama scene. Actually, what I what I really remember most about it was was him prepping. 
Yeah. For the bar for Ramesine with the eggs that he kept on eating. <laughs> I can't, how many eggs did he put in there? He must have put like five or six yeah, eggs exactly. in there. Yeah, exactly. And up. then he drank uh, castor oil, I think. <laughs> um, eggs and castor oil before he went into the pie eating contest. Um, but, you know, it's just, it's just such a, it's so classic. Yeah. For my age, I'm I'm 39 years old. You know, it's just like one of those movies you could grow up in the in the 80s and 90s. Just, yeah, I looked it up. It came out in '86. Yeah. So it's yeah, uh, yeah. No, it's just one of those. I mean, it just automatically. I just love it that like they're telling it around the campfire. It's just totally. like one of those like you know classic just like campfire kind of stories. Yep. Just the way he's the way he's sharing. He's goofy a dog. You yeah. know, like that that. <laughs> they were they were arguing over, the, yeah. over whether or not Goofy or Pluto was a dog. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, and just I mean, I love. I mean, you know, just a. I mean, the Barfo-Rama, like the story scene itself. I mean, just as far as like self indulgence, but then also, I mean, you know, like I mean, you can even you can, we. I I could try to go deeper and say like I mean, there's a message as far as body shaming, but that I feel like that's probably for more. Right now, 2020, 2020 conversation, interpretation versus like right then of yeah. just like a silly story that boys are telling around the campfire. Yeah, but. I think it was basically him, you know, it's just like the big fuck you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that was pretty much what it was. <laughs> Which are great sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was just like, you know what, I've gotten bullied pretty much my whole life. I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to just, I'm going to give him the big middle finger right. and just do it. <laughs> and uh, well, then also, I mean... Again, you gave you gave me a lot of great options. I was looking, I was like, Braveheart, Gladiator. I mean, like I was trying to look for food scenes there. I mean, Scarface. I was, you know, because sometimes it's just obviously such a different film from Stand by Me. So sure. I love the 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 juxtaposition of those two films. I mean, this is talk about a guy. I mean, you were saying you did every kind of job in this movie. You know, like we see him being. I mean, there's even what, at one point he's just like, I'm no bus boy. You know, I'm not gonna try to do a Scarface. Uh, impression right now, but just even when when he's married to Michelle Pfeiffer, there's that one scene where he's really drunk at the restaurant. I don't know if you remember that one particular. And they're they're fighting in the restaurant. Yeah, they're fighting, and he's just like, "Well, I'll I'll, I'll play that scene right now, and we'll and we'll, we'll talk about it." What are you, you fool? What's wrong with you? I'm not hungry. You're not hungry. You even know about the trial? What did you order it for? I lost my appetite. You even know that Jeff will say he can get you a postponement, eh? This here, that's what it's all about, Manny. Eating, drinking. Fucking, sucking, Come on. <laughs> snoring, that one. That one. That one. You're 50, you got a bag for a belly, you got tits, you need a bra, they got hair on them, you got a liver, they got spots on it, and you're eating this fucking shit. You're looking like these rich fucking mummies in there. I love that fucking movie. Oh my god, I haven't seen it in so long. Such right? A good movie. It's such a good movie. Such a good movie. I remember the first time watching. I was watching it with like I, I don't know my mom and my sister were out somewhere, and I watched it. Well, I I picked it up from 
blockbuster and watch it with my dad. And I don't mm. know if he had seen it before. My dad's not like a big movie guy. Mm. I just <laughs> watch it and be like, oh, this is an interesting movie you're watching with my <laughs> yeah. dad right now. But, I mean, very different scene from <laughs> Stand sure. By Me. I mean, you've got a drunk uh, Tony Montana and just, mm-hmm. you know, the whole eating, drinking, fucking, sucking. I mean, what? I mean, what, what is it with this movie? What is it with this scene? Like, this is just like... I think it's the exact opposite of um like in like they're deeply indulging yes. in the powder <laughs> and oh, yes. they've got all this food on the table and they're not really eating um then what <laughs> yeah i mean that movie is just i don't i don't even know like i the truth is in terms of like i don't know if there's any other movie that can touch that movie in terms of um like 1970s, 80s drug gangs. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. I, I just, I feel like it is just, you know, there's been so many movies that have tried to do something like Scarface, and, it's, and I mean, Al Pacino is just, a, he's he's incredible. Yeah, I mean, he was just nominated for, uh, oh, God, why am I blinking on the was movie? Was he just nominated for? Uh, I, the Irishman. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I didn't watch the Golden Globes last night. My man Brad Pitt won for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Did he? Best yeah. actor? Uh, supporting. Uh-huh. Best supporting. He's just, man. I was just on the way here. I was listening to Mark Maron's podcast and him and Leonardo DiCaprio were on. Yeah. And they're just like, that, that was, that's my favorite film of the year, Once Upon Once a Time. Upon that, yeah, yeah, it was really, it was really, it was, it was really well done. It's so good. And so Bra- funky. And, and Brad Pitt is just so good in it. He's just truly yeah. become one of the best character actors of like his generation, just all, all, all generations. Yeah. He's just, he's just awesome. But yeah, but, yeah but, I mean, but Pacino in this, and I know that's definitely an idol of his. Like I've, you know, heard him, you know, you know, quoted, quoting him that just like, I mean, I think everyone, any, anyone that's come after Pacino, like you look at Pacino, you look at De Niro and this is just, just such a clear movie. And the, the scene in particular of just like overindulgence and just, you know, who won best power. actor. Oh, Joaquin Phoenix won for the Joker. Oh, yeah. Which, Joker, polarizing movie, love it, hate it, but it's still one of those movies that, like, you can't question what he put into it. Oh, He's my just, God. You know. I, I, I enjoyed the movie. I think I went in with a... I think other people went in expecting closer to, like, a comic book movie. It's not and at it's all. It's not. I mean, you it know... It is a dark... It's a dark movie. And talk about... I mean, Scorsese and De Niro, and De Niro's even in that, but it's, you know, this version of the Joker doesn't exist without uh, Taxi Driver and... Mm-hmm. Uh, totally. Yeah, totally. All, and all those Scorsese movies. That are just very... King of Comedy, that's what I'm... That's the, that was, yeah, you know. I mean, I just, I look at, I look at that. I mean, I feel like he was the influence of Raging Bull in the Joker is crazy. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I actually just watched Raging Bull last weekend. Um, and uh, I haven't seen that movie in forever. That's so good. Oh, I mean, so just good. like some of those monologues that like De Niro does in Raging Bull. And then to see Joaquin Phoenix, you know, in... In his role as the Joker, I was just like, "Oh, that's where it's from." Yeah, exactly. That's you know, I mean, and and, and he did obviously. I mean, it's the Joker, and he made it his own. I mean, just in the fact that Heath Ledger, the last person, or no, Jared Leto was the last person to portray the Joker, but Heath Ledger winning Best Supporting Actor at the Oscars. Yep. Uh, you know, a- after he passed, was a posthumous uh, win. 
but um yeah he won yeah he won for joker uh that was once upon a time in hollywood won for uh best best comedy <laughs> that's the that's the whole thing with the golden globes the the, the hollywood foreign press like breaks i mean the one year the i think matt damon's the martian won best comedy and that's not that's weird i mean i laughed a lot in once upon a time in hollywood it's not but, a comedy but it's not there yeah. are some funny moments in it but it's yeah. certainly i wouldn't categorize that as comedy i would categorize that as like drama yeah like yeah at, and not even like you know, a mashup of dramedy, but I mean, yeah, it's just, it's, it's got plenty of dark moments. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Drama thriller, yeah. like, you know, you never know what's going to actually happen yeah. in a bad way when he's out and out there. You know? <laughs> well, uh, last but not least, have my lovely little speed round of questions called gut instincts. It's just whatever comes to your mind first. Favorite fast food? Pizza. Go to alcoholic beverage. Are we are we having drinks? Don't anymore? drink. Don't drink anymore. Yeah. So what's what's your go to? What are you uh, what, are, what are you having with dinner? What are you having? Uh, you know, I mean, my go to beverage is coffee. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, but you know, with dinner, I'm a simple guy, man. Like sparkling water. There you go. Favorite childhood snack? Uh, Kraft mac and cheese. Sweet or savory? <sighs> so tough. Both. <laughs> Yeah, I like we, them both. Like them both. Are we Are we gonna expand as the uh, into the into the world of sweets as far as a business, or are you interested in that at all? You know, my wife is an incredible baker. She actually yeah. did all the cookies and the ice cream recipes for the meatball shop. Okay. And so for the next project, Creatures of Habit, she will definitely be taking a stab at some at some sweet treats. Yeah. Um, but uh, I think I probably, you know, sweets are an occasional thing for sure. for people. Not everyone, for sure, but uh, savory is an everyday thing. So I think for me, in the world of business, savory is definitely the direction. Um, And in the world of my life, though, I'm like literally 50-50 split. I love sweets as much as I love savory, as much as I love sweets. Yeah, I'm finding more and more, man, that like I got to have something sweet after I have something sweet. I'm with you. I'm with you. It's tough. I know. I'm trying to find like a healthy uh, option, like just keeping like a bar of like, dark chocolate in my freezer but then the whole thing is like how do i not finish this bar <laughs> totally and then once you break in you yeah. just, you're in yeah it's tough it is tough sugar's sugar's no joke favorite food city domestic and international uh you can't fa- say new york because that's just you know yeah favorite food city um you know, I'm a huge, huge sushi fan. I absolutely love sushi. It's probably my favorite thing to eat. Wow. Um, and so Los Angeles has some of the best sushi on the planet. Okay. Love L.A. for sushi. I love L.A. for Southeast Asian food. I feel like the Thai scene, the, the Vietnamese food scene there is amazing. Also, the Korean food scene in Los Angeles oh, yeah, is incredible. Just, yeah. um, so I, I feel like, you know... I, I really like LA for their sushi and their their Asian cuisine. Um, I think that they've got it down. I mean, the Bay Area certainly does have some really incredible uh, Southeast Asian cuisine as well. But I feel like LA's kind of got it down there for Thai food and Vietnamese food and Japanese food um, and Korean food, um, and I love that food. Yeah, yeah. So LA is probably my favorite food food city in the country outside of New York. Yeah. And then I'd say um, outside of the country, um, Barcelona. 
Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. I was just there it was for the second time over this summer, and that's just... I just think it's hard to beat the food there. I think it's probably my favorite food city in the world. Wow. Yeah. What are we eating there? Just like uh, so there's a couple of restaurants there that I, I, I like I, I just I, th- I feel like the food is just so insane, insane and, and consistently I've been there like three or four times. Um, there's a restaurant called Cal Pep. They do this sort of uh, baby squid and garbanzo bean dish with this with black squid ink. Um, I, I, I don't know there's anything better than it there's another guy in the actual um Rambles in the bocaria there yeah that that, that market is amazing yeah, yeah the market's amazing yeah and there's a stand there called pinocchio and the guy who's running that stand has been doing you know there for 50 60 years he does these these grilled uh shrimp these head-on grilled gambas i, I mean I, I don't you know it's hard to to bite into something that tastes better than that. He also does this 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 baby squid and garbanzo bean dish that's just absolutely phenomenal. Um, I just think you know, like all the tapas and um, you know the, the the cheese and the meat and and just like everything yeah. about the whole entire Catalan style of eating is just it's just so good yeah. and it's just so rich and delicious and uh, you know. The produce there is incredible, and yeah, I mean, you know, it's 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 very very good. Iberico I, ham, and so it's all good. Yeah, just that whole tapas culture, and then I went to San Sebastian in the you know north after that, and there incredible. you know pinchos and just that whole realm, yeah. and that's just that that just amazed me when I was there because it's just you know a counter of these small plates and you just go up and you know some are just on individual plates some are on bigger plates and you ask for you know a, you know like another plate to put everything on and then you go up after and it's just honor system and you go up afterwards because yep, then totally. also you step outside and you're eating outside which is just like a cool atmosphere everyone eating around and but then i went inside i'm like you know uh uno cerveza you know and like just sit and like before i could finish they're like yeah that 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 and then i'm like oh wow like, yeah they know it all yeah. you're on top of it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean also like as simple as the pan con tomate that they do in spain you know it's just delicious fresh warm bread with like roasted tomatoes scraped over the top of the bread with garlic and olive oil and you're just like I mean, <laughs> so good. I was given a paella pan for Christmas, so I got it. I'm like, all right, well, paella, now, now, yeah. I got, now I got to try to make paella. What's better than paella? <laughs> yeah. uh, favorite cuisine? Sushi? I would have to say, if I had to choose one, I would eat, I would eat sushi from now till death. Guilty pleasure food? Uh, I, I'm a huge, like, well... I, I would say sweet or savory. Like for me, savory, when I think of a savory meal that I love more than anything on the planet, it is probably the burger with Roquefort cheese at the Spotted Pig with the garlic string, shoestring fries. I was there right around Thanksgiving with a buddy and we, yeah. That, that burger was, is yeah. is truly spectacular. Yeah. I mean, the the patty is probably 10 ounces. They put... It's got that Lafrida beef. Shout it's out got to Pat Lafrida. Yeah, it's got that Lafrida <laughs> beef. It's, it's got that blue cheese that's rich and, and the bun is just this like beautiful, perfectly toasted 
buttery bun, <laughs> and then you know the the shoestring fries that they that they fry with with shaved garlic mm-hmm. and finish with parsley. Um, like that's my that's my, like when I close my eyes and think about a, a savory meal that is just indulgent and delicious and awesome, I think of that. And then um, I'm like an ice cream fan, huge fan of ice cream, yeah. huge, huge, huge fan of ice cream. And on a regular basis, I eat the lighter stuff, you know, like I'll go to like 16 handles or I'll have like a halo top pint. Sure. Um, but like if I'm swinging for it, you know, I'll go to Morgan Stearns and go. What, what, what's your favorite kind of ice cream? Uh, I'm a peanut butter dude. Like uh, I love peanut butter. Yeah. So like anything really chocolate peanut buttery yeah. with, with chunks of some sort. That's the spot. Reese's. Yeah. Oh. Give me. Yeah. Come in. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. I haven't eaten anything yet today. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> favorite condiment. Favorite condiment. Uh, well, I, I I'm going to give a shout out to a new, a new sauce that was recently sent to me that I feel like classically you know i do love ketchup sure you know what i mean yeah. um but there's a new sauce called truff have you heard of it truff t-r-u-f-f no oh truff okay do no. you like spicy i do so um i'm gonna give you something to take home oh, nice. Thank uh, you. these guys i have no idea who they are they actually sent me a bunch of stuff but it's a hot sauce uh infused with truffle oil Ooh. and it's bananas it is it is so fucking good. Yeah. And they make like a mildly spicy and a heavy spicy. Uh-huh. And I just. And what have you put it on? Everything. Everything. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I was going to ask like, if there is I mean, I typically have it like I, for, for, you know, breakfast pretty much every day. Okay. I have, I have eggs. Okay. And so I put it on my eggs. Nice. But like it works on, it, it is so good. It yeah. is so good. It is so good. I'm excited. Yeah, so so that's my new one. I mean, you know, I love sriracha, but I got kind of bored with sriracha. Yeah. So I gotta say, like classically, if I'm stick, if I'm if I'm calling out a condiment, ketchup. I mean, I, you know, I grew up with eating ketchup with everything. I mean, same here. You yeah. know, in the '80s, you '90s, you grow up and you just it's just like ketchup. Yeah. Like yeah. tater tots, chicken nuggets. Yes. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> pasta, <laughs> exactly. Pasta. You know, like ramen. Makes me, th- makes me think of. Uh, uh, good fellas at the end when he used to totally. like say, you know, the, instead of red sauce. That's one of the best. That's one of the best, uh, you know, uh, scenes uh, in Goodfellas when they're all in, in jail and they've got. Oh yeah, yeah, we've covered that, that scene. That's, yeah, that's a, a the slicing scene. the garlic. Yeah. That's just like, I mean, it was such a. Fan. It's my top five favorite films. Oh yeah, I have the painting that Joe Pesci's mom, which is Scorsese's mom in real life, is painting in the movie. You know, the guy in the middle, one dog looking one way, one dog looking the other oh, way. Yeah. Got the guy there in the middle saying, what do you want from me? <laughs> I was given like a $50 gift certificate to eBay once, and this was like a while ago. And I, I still don't do like a lot of online shopping or mm. never really use eBay. And then just, I think I was watching Goodfellas one time, and I still had this $50 gift card. And I'm just like, I wonder if that painting is on there. <laughs> and I found like in China, the painting was, you know, someone was, you know, making it for 25 bucks and shipping, shipping was 25 bucks. I'm like, Perfect. sold. There you go. <laughs> uh, what's the, uh, last thing you ate today? Well, I mean, you're, so you're having a protein shake right now or I mean, yeah. But, so the last thing I ate was, yeah. was my eggs this morning. Yeah, I this ate, morning. uh, I ate, uh, about two cups of spinach Two whole eggs, four egg whites, truff, uh, hot sauce, and that was my breakfast. Awesome. Yeah. What would be your last meal? 
<laughs> oh man, that's so hard. I mean, so I, you know, I I have incredibly fond memories as a kid eating a big, huge bowl of Kraft mac and cheese, like mm. lots of. You know, like when you put your spoon through it, you can hear it go. <laughs> that lovely you know? sound that I'm sure everyone loved hearing. Right yeah. <laughs> like that, that sound where it's just, you know, it's just like there's there's milk and there's the whole thing in yeah. there. I mean, it, it, it's, it's got one of those flavor profiles that's addictive and, and memorable. Yeah. Um, I don't think that it would be alone, but I would certainly have a bowl of Kraft mac and cheese. I'd probably have a bowl of the rigatoni a ragu from Frank. Mm-hmm. I'd have... Definitely a lineup of, of sushi uh, of some sort from Sushi Nazawa. Like I would have Nazawa actually prepare his tasting menu in one go. Um, and then I would probably finish off with um, just a, a heaping bowl of um, peanut butter chocolate ice cream yeah. and like a little bit of vanilla. I mean, if it's your last meal, are you having any uh, having any booze? I mean, are you are you missing it at all? Like, is there any t- you know? You know, the truth is, I I actually say I would say that I miss smoking pot. Okay. More than I miss drinking booze, just because you know, like having a beer, watching a football game, yeah, is awesome. But, like, there's not many people that have a beer watching a football game, right? Like, you have, like, three or four or five, and then you kind of feel like shit the next day. Yeah, more and more. Beers give me the worst hangover now. Like, for some reason, like, wine and hard liquor. I'm sure, obviously, I had a lot of it, but, like, beer, yeah. I mean, I also miss, like, like in Italy with my wife, you know, like, it was was a bummer that, like, I couldn't have a glass of rosé, you know, in in the summertime. But, but, like, the truth is, is that, like, I don't really miss it. Like, I am, I have, like, a pretty, you know, uh, outgoing personality. I can kind of get into any, like, walk into any room and feel comfortable and stoked and have a blast. Yeah. But, like, watching a comedy after smoking a bowl, (laughs) hard to beat that. Like, you don't wake up with a hangover ever. Uh, At least I don't remember waking up with a hangover. And just, like, you know, like, being, like, in the country, like, you know, smoke a little pot. So, like, that's the only thing I really miss, but I don't miss it, you know? Like, life is way too good uh, for me. Uh, without it, and it was not good at all with it. Good, not that yeah. it wasn't good at all, but like the the bad far outweighed the good when I was partaking, and so you know I I feel like I don't need it. Gotcha. Do you prefer to dine in or dine out? Oh, I'm a dine out guy. Yeah. Yeah. Are you cooking at home at all, or I cook a lot. You do? Okay. We 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 I mean, go out breakfast and stuff. Yeah, like we that, go but... out once a week, but I typically I cook my breakfast every day. I typically cook lunch most nights, uh, and on the weekends I cook almost all the meals because we have a house upstate that we go to, so I cook. Um, yeah, I love cooking. Yeah. I love cooking specifically like in the spring, summer, and fall. I've got a green egg, you know, at the house upstate. I plan my weekends around it pretty much. Yeah. You know, I'm getting my kids into cooking, so it's fun. What would be your spirit food, or what embodies you in the out there in the you know in the food realm? Hmm. What embodies me out there in the food realm? Um. Wow. Probably. 
Like a perfectly cooked New York strip steak. Yeah. Yeah, I you, I mean, yeah, fourth generation New Yorker. You know, it's like a New York thing. It's yeah. it's lean, it's not too fatty. It's you don't want it all the time, but you definitely want it like you want it. Um <laughs> you know. Uh it's uh yeah, it's like you know, like the ribeye is like the you know, like you want a steak. Most people go with a ribeye. Yeah. I mean, I love a ribeye. Sure. But like, there are moments where I'm like, I want that super tender. Just, I want that New York strip. It's a good. It's pro- might be my favorite cut. The I just, strip. Yeah. I, I go back and forth. Strip. You know, I, I feel like there's no. I I don't. You know, obviously the filet mignon is the filet mignon, but like. I feel like it's rare to get like the flavor and the tenderness like mm-hmm. you can get yeah. with a strip steak. And so, yeah, I love the strip. I lo- And I feel like it's just like a, you know, it's like, it's not like a piece of meat. It's like a piece of meat, you know? <laughs> uh, you're going to the movies. Are we having any snacks? Yes. Yes. We're having M&M's typically. Nice. Peanut and uh, popcorn. And last question What's uh what's a great lesson you've learned in food? I mean, you've had so many experiences from um, you know, being a chef and in school and working many different positions and now, you know, or, you know, an entrepreneur. I mean, the, I have to have learned thousands, but yeah, what's like, you know, one that's really stuck out to you? <laughs> don't uh don't try to core a overripe pear. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm loving the simplicity, the straightforwardness yeah. of this right now. Don't try to don't try to to core out an overripe pear without putting your thumb about an inch above the 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 tip of the paring knife, because an overripe pear tends to be very very soft. Yeah. And <laughs> if you don't have your thumb there to block the blade from going in too fast, sounds and like too you're, deep. You're, this is a story from experience. Yeah, I I put a paring knife right through my hand, <sighs> and that was a and that was a that was a a big glaring lesson learned. Um, and so that's like literal lesson learned through yeah. food, uh, figurative lesson learned through food. Um, you know, there's only one way to really get people excited, um, consistently, uh, globally, and that is to put delicious food in front of them. Uh, that is that has been proven over and over and over and over again for thousands yeah. of years that when you put delicious food in front of someone, no matter where you are on the planet, um, you, that person will be happy. And so I am in the business, luckily, of uh, of of making people extraordinarily happy through food. That's awesome. And uh, yeah. you know, I think that that's that is the one lesson that I that I've learned over and over again that. The easiest way to fix problems <laughs> is to just drop something delicious in front of someone, and uh, you know, yeah, that's awesome. my job. I can't thank you enough for coming on. I had a lot of questions. I think I got to about half of them, but we are at like an hour and a half right now. I know you're a busy guy, so hopefully I'll I'll, uh, I'll have you on again sometime. That would be awesome. Totally. To keep chatting. Uh, please, right now, tell everyone where they can find you, social media-wise, obviously what restaurants to visit, all that good stuff. Um, you can find me anywhere at Michael Chernow, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn. 
TikTok. Very little on TikTok, but I'm working on it. Um, and, uh, yeah, my restaurants, the Meatball Shop, Seymour's, uh, soon, soon will be uh, Creatures of Habit. Well, yeah, so what's that going to be? Creatures of Habit is actually going to be a counter service, fast casual um, in the health and wellness space. But I'm basically trying to do something different than what's available right now. I'm going to be focusing on the different categories like keto, paleo, plant-based. But really, ultimately, what I'm trying to do is make make wellness fun for everyone. So I'm trying to do the vans of wellness. Just like it's not female-focused. It's not bodybuilding male-focused. It is right down the center of the lane. It's great music. Really cool vibes, just fun times, um, and uh, and 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 we do the we do the heavy lifting for you if you want to try a specific way of eating, um, or if you want to just change, you want to you want to change, you know, your eighty twenty from eighty percent unhealthy, twenty percent healthy to eighty percent healthy, twenty percent unhealthy. We'll we'll be able to help you out there. We're gonna have great delicious food in those categories. We're also going to have. Uh, a section on the menu called the fuckets and the fuckets are going to be <laughs> all the food that we just talked about a little while ago. Awesome. Yeah. And you said you've, you're working on a podcast, working on a podcast called born or made. I'm actually launching it this week. Oh, um, I can't wait to listen. Yeah. What? I've got some good guests on it. Born or made is essentially, I sit down with people that have inspired me over the years and, uh, you know, I ask them the question. We talk about a lot of shit. But, you know, the one question that I really sort of start with and then we get to the answer at the end is, do you think you were born with the inherent ability to crush it the way you have? Gotcha. Or do you think you were made over time? I like so basically it. nature nurture. Yeah. Know? And then at the end, I get the answer from them. Perfect. Oh, yeah. man, I can't wait to listen. Yeah. Awesome. And I'm assuming Apple Podcasts, Spotify. All, yeah, all Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify, um, and, uh, and, and, and YouTube because I film them all. Oh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's, yeah, that's something that... I kind of feel like I maybe should start doing, but at the same time, I like just it, you know being. This is so this, easy. This, this is, is yeah. awesome, man. The, be, the ability <laughs> to be able to roll up and just set up like this is yeah. is fantastic. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you again. We have a little uh, catchphrase to end every episode. It's "There's more to cut." Something my grandmother always says. Actually, I think this is the first uh, episode I'm recording after Christmas, where she gave you know she gave me a gift, but I'm like. Nana, you know what would really make me happy? If you would say, like, it was a line she always said just at dinner, like, oh, don't worry, there's more to cut, you know, like if the platter is getting sparse. And I was like, can you say that on camera? And she's really shy, and she's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm just like, it would make me really happy. <laughs> so check that out on Instagram because I posted that. But anyway, if you don't mind reminding foodies out there that there's more to cut. There's more to cut, guys. Beautiful. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Absolutely, dude. Yummy, 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 I got love in my tummy And I feel like I'm loving you Love you such a sweet thing